0: Okay, welcome as we now start um, in the second chapter of 1 John. This is our walkthrough of the book of 1 John. Um, if you'd like to get your Bible, and we're going to open up to the epistle of First John. And we've, I'll give you a recap of chapter 1. And I do think it's very important for the believer to really be familiar with the book of John. First John is written primarily to the believer where we know that the Gospel of John was written for them that they might believe. Now believe on what? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to come back to the reality of the disciples and the reality and the privilege that John had. Uh, he was privileged to be on the Mount Transfiguration w- when Jesus Christ appeared There is the Son of God. Um, You had Peter and James and John there. They were eyewitnesses of his majesty. But not only so, but if you consider with me for a moment that as a disciple called of Jesus Christ, John was a disciple. And he he begins the book of John very clearly where he said in verse 1, that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon in our hands, have handled of the word of life. There's nothing unreal about Jesus Christ. He is revealing the reality that God was manifest in the flesh and they are eyewitnesses to that and John is primarily writing to you as a believer who's trusted Christ as your Saviour, where he says, For the life was manifested, and that means to be made known, and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Now I want you to understand the importance of the written word of God. John is writing to us. Don't fall into the trap of believing Christianity that is outside of the written word believe what the written word says put your faith in what it the Bible says here we have the King James Bible it is the Word of God um, it was the author is the Holy Ghost as we know in first uh, Peter or second Peter chapter 1 there and 29 and understand you have the Word of God it's written read it, understand it and believe what it says. if you want to understand the term, when someone says that they are a Bible-believing Christian, that means they believe what the Bible teaches rather than being influenced by by others. So here, the importance of First John is written to you as a believer. Take that to heart, treasure it, hold on to the very fact that you have the Word of God and the reality of that. So John r- begins, First John, with the reality and the eyewitness of Jesus Christ here in 1 John. He then runs down, as we've also looked at um, in the previous chapter, that the believer is to walk in light, not darkness. Our light is from the Scriptures, and that's where we find it, and we believe it to be so. Also, 1 John deals with the very fact that as believers, we are believers because we were sinners, you needed to be saved because you realised and understood that you are a sinner and you identified to the fact that Jesus Christ died for your sins, my sins he was buried and rose again now we're going to start here in in uh, the second chapter here and I want to title this message Propitiation's Reality the word propitiation before I read it means to appease and I'll read you I'll read down to verse six and then I'll we'll look into the lesson of the reality of the blood of Jesus Christ, the the outcome of Jesus Christ shedding his blood at Calvary, and what it means to us. So he says here, my little children. Now when God refers to us as little children, he's referring to us now as part of the family. You don't need to work to be part of the family. You became part of the family of God as soon as you trusted Jesus Christ and God looks, a, looks at us as little children. We now possess Christ in us. We have now the nature that got, that was in Jesus Christ because now Jesus Christ has entered into our hearts and our minds and we can now walk after a, a sinless nature uh, that we can now walk after the Spirit of God and what a blessing that is to know Of the redemption and those things that does for us. So he says, He's my little children, excuse me, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So the instruction here is we are sinners, you have an old Adamic nature, and we will sin. But here he makes it very clear that ye sin not. And if you sin, understand that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. This is so important because you and I need a mediator between our our sinful nature or ourselves and God the Father and Jesus Christ is that mediator, which we'll look at. And he is the propitiation for our sins, And not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now the word propitiation means to appease. And the very fact that God allowed Jesus Christ, his son, to be crucified, and the Lord himself submitted to the Father's will in the garden, where he said, not my will, but Thy will be done, and there he was betrayed taken falsely accused and brought before pilate and pilate had thought to release him but as jesus said in john chapter 19 he says you have no, fa- excuse me, you have no power at all unless it's given to thee from heaven understanding that that god was manifest in the flesh jesus became flesh for the very purpose that he was going to die for the sins, not just for our sins to believe, but for the sins of the whole world. And that was the reason that God was made manifest, which he says there in John chapter 114. I'll read you the verse. If you aren't familiar with it, you probably do need to learn these verses dealing with, the, with Jesus Christ being made manifest. He says, Dealing with John the Baptist, in in if you went to the Gospel of John, that when John is baptizing down by the River Jordan, he sees Jesus Christ walking. I want you to understand there's the reality of what John said. We have behold him, we have seen him, we have touched him. And John the Baptist said the next day in John chapter 1, verse 29, that's the Gospel of John. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of God, sin of the world. You understand that we are talking of a real person. We're not talking of a symbol or a or something that's abstract. There's nothing abstract about God. There was nothing abstract about the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And when John introduces him, he sees Jesus walking and calls him the Lamb of God, which is the very purpose that Jesus was sent, who came into this world. And John 1, 36 says, And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. So in other words, John the Baptist sees Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God walking and introduces him. Here in this passage, we are talking about his blood and that it is Christ's blood that is the propitiation for our sins and propitiation means to appease and we'll have a look further here as we go into this chapter 2 here so he says in verse 2 and here it's a propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only but also for the sins of the whole world have you ever a has it ever realized that God has already saved the world it's just now a matter of mankind receiving and taking and bringing the right offering before God as Cain and Abel did in Genesis which we'll look at in a moment and he says and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments he that saith I know him and keep of not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him but whosoever keepeth the word his word in him verily is the love of God perfected, hereby know we that we are in him, and he that saith he abideth in him, ought him also, also to walk even as he walked. I want you to understand that we all God has asked us to do is walk before Jesus Christ, walk before him, the reality that he, is, that he said he would never leave us, he is always with us, and we can walk before him in that reality. But if you want to come back to me, and we did mention this in our last chapter, when you go back to um, Genesis, and you go back to Genesis chapter 4, remember the, remember the very beginning how that Adam fell, he lost the crown, and he sin entered into the world. And then in Genesis chapter 4, we see man bringing an offering before God, and understand God is holy, He is righteous and he requires an offering for sin or something that mediates between our fallen nature and himself. So here in chapter 4, I'll read you Genesis chapter 4 and it's good for you as a believer to remember the truth of Genesis chapter 4. If you can remember the truth of Genesis chapter 4, you'll have a better understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll have a better walk with him because... Then you can understand that by receiving Jesus Christ you received the offering that God accepted, but it just He didn't just it wasn't just accepted as we find it here with Abel's offering, it also appeased the holiness or that side of God that that where the wrath of God is upon sin. So let's read that. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was the tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. I want you to realise that Cain's offering is not abstract. It's not a symbol. It's a reality. It's a physical offering. And that offering that he brings is of the fruit of the ground, an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought the firstlings of his flock, of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. So understand that Abel also brought a physical offering. When John stands at the River Jordan, when he says, Behold the Lamb of God, to take away the sin of the world, he's talking about Jesus Christ being that physical offering made for sin. In this passage we find that God had respect unto Abel and his offering but to Cain's offering the Lord said unto Cain why art thou wroth and why is thy countenance um, fallen because God had no respect unto Cain's offering it was the wrong offering to bring and here's the key God wasn't God wasn't rejecting Cain, God was rejecting his offering. All Cain needed to do was to swallow his pride and go unto Abel and bring the right offering to God, which God accepted, and he would have found favor with God. You have to understand the offering is what God is God's requirement, not ours. It's what it's what appeases him, not what it, not what appeases us. It's not something that we think we need to give. It's what God requires to take away the sin of the world. So salvation is not man's idea. It's God's idea. It's, it is hinged upon the very fact that we have to bring the right offering. And that offering is a blood offering. And in this particular case, that blood offering was God's blood that was shed for man's sin. So he says, so he is the appreciation of our sins, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. You and I live in a time now that, um, as one preacher said, they've taken the blood out of Christianity you can't take the blood out of christianity because the blood of the sinless lamb of god is the thing that appeases the father and that offering is given to our account as soon as you and i trusted and believed on the lord god our savior i want you to think with hebrews with me for a moment and have a think about the the system of the old testament and how that the high priest once a year would have to bring that atonement, that offering before, into the temple, which was to represent the sins of the whole the nation here. But he says, he says in Hebrews 9.26, and it's a good verse for you to remember, for then must he be often have suffered since the foundation of the world, talking about Jesus Christ. So God had a plan before the foundation of the world, So he says, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, understanding that God knew that man would fall and God had a plan before the foundation of the world. Understand that God gave you and I a free will. And that free will is up to you and I whether we will receive the thing that God requires. He says, but now once in the end of the world have you appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself so God sacrificed himself for the sin of the world when God was manifest and became flesh and we see his son Jesus Christ the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world and he's appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself if you go back to verse 25 n- not yet that he should offer himself often, not as they did in the Old Testament, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. Do you realise that Jesus Christ has entered into the holiest of holies, which is in heaven? He's appeared in the presence of God for you and I, and it's his blood that is is presented in the temple, in heaven, for our sin, amen, and the blood of Jesus Christ is a reality, it's not a symbol. Jesus really died, he really shed his blood, that blood now is is been has been taken into heaven, it represents and presented before God the Father it didn't God didn't just accept it, but it appeased him because that blood appeased the Father's holiness against the sin that entered into this world when Adam and Eve fell. You and I have an old nature, that nature we inherited from Adam. But when you get born again, when you get saved, you now have a new nature and that nature hinges very upon the very fact that the Lamb of God took away the sin of the world. Start having a think about the truth of the gospel and have a think about the truth of the word propitiation. Because once you realize. It's not your works that get you into heaven. It is the very works of Jesus Christ. When he submitted his will. As the Lamb of God. And he was he was hung there between heaven and earth. At Calvary. And where he submitted his will to the Father. And he became that substitute for you and I. As the Bible teaches. And then he died for us. He was buried, he rose again, and then entered into heaven, into the holy place, where it was his blood, God's blood, that was accepted and received. So therefore, the blood of Jesus Christ is a reality. It's not a symbol. It's not something that is abstract. It was really shed, it really took place, it was eyewitness by John. It was eyewitnessed by uh, John the Baptist when he introduced the Lord to Israel, when grace and truth came by him, where, where, got, where Moses brought the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And I hope by listening to this little thought here as we go through the book of John, I hope this stirs you up as a believer to start looking in, deeper into the word of God and realise that it was the manifestation of God our Saviour and now we can look unto him till he returns knowing that we have been redeemed.